And it's the same way we welcome those who worship with us through LiveGate Outreach TV and through the various forms of social media and those that listen to our podcasts on iTunes, our Boss Sprouts. You are very, very welcome as well. And uh, I believe that God who allows these words to reach us and bless us and cause us to have testimonies through them will also be reaching you where you are in Jesus' name. So we want to thank God for everything. We have been on a series which um, has taken us through a journey of looking at the different names of God as we are in uh, a season of concentrating on enjoying holiness by divine help. And um, we're in the last half segment, second half of the eight-part series. So we're looking at the four, last four names that we want to consider. And last week we looked at God being Elohim. And we're looking at God in a, in a name that is very unique today, what we might call the core name of God, the fundamental name of God, the name Jehovah. And of course, several derivatives of Jehovah exists, probably about 50 to 60 different Jehovah expressions. But we're looking at what that name really signifies today. And uh, over the next couple of weeks, we'll look at a couple of the expressions. This is a study that can take us a lifetime. I tell you, that is the names of God. can easily take us a lifetime till Jesus comes. We can be learning his names and his expressions. But I want to say that because God is a God of order and is a God of seasons, anything he decides to emphasize per time is always a blessing. The Bible says he gives us things line upon line, precept upon precept. He makes things beautiful in its time. So whatever he's speaking to us now is what we need for now. Amen. And as we grow with him and as we go with him, what he does is that he helps us to know more uh, than uh, we have known before. We have, uh, so the title today is Jehovah, our Lord and the self-existent one. Jehovah, our Lord and the self-existent one. So it is part of this series of enjoying holiness by divine help. We have been reading from 1 Peter chapter 1 all through this series. It's been very interesting that we've stuck on those uh, uh, verses of scripture for that long, but because we want, for the sake of emphasis, to remind ourselves what the Lord did say about uh, how he expects us to be holy. Amen. And so 1 Peter chapter 1, let's echo those verses together again from verse 13. Therefore... Gird up your loins. Are you reading with me, church? Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Verse 14. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts, as in your ignorance. Verse 15. But as he who called you is holy... You also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. Let's read verse 16 again. Because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. So we start with this commandment every time. Obviously, these are from the Leviticus commandment that we should be holy because he's holy. And uh, when Peter was uh, repeating these words, what he's reminding the children of God is that it is a commandment. And we must never forget. The Bible says, for as he who called us is holy, we also must be holy in all our conduct. So it is a commandment. 
So when we talk about holiness, we're not talking about an option. You see, if you go to buy a car, uh, brand new, you will be given what is called options. They will tell you this particular series comes base, like this. And they will tell you what the base is. That means whatever you buy, whatever, however it is, everybody gets that. But you see, if you want to spend more money, you have more money to spend, they, they now give you options. They can tell you, you can put a sunroof, put this and put that and put all kinds of things. And you keep saying, add more, add more. The more you add, the more the money goes up. So those are what is called options. But the car will function without the options and to function well. So there are some things that are not options. The same way, holiness is not an option for a believer. A believer can choose to live anywhere. You can choose to live in any country as long as, you know, that is where you want to live. It's an option. But whether you are in America or you are here in the United Kingdom or other parts of Europe or you are in Africa or South America, you have no option but to be holy. Amen. Amen. So holiness is a commandment for a child of God everywhere, every time. The reason we are looking at the names of God is very simple. The Bible says, be holy for I am holy. So we need to know and understand the holiness of God. If we are going to be something, we need to know what that thing is. If you don't know what that thing is, there is no way you can be it. You are able to be it because you know it. Hallelujah. And so we have been looking at the expressions of God in different ways. Now one of God's names through which he expresses his holiness is this great name, Jehovah, which basically translates to mean our Lord and the self-existent one. You see, the word Jehovah, if you do your search, you can find all this very easily. The word Jehovah is derived from the four-letter consonant word in Hebrew, which in our English terms is Y-H-W-H. In the Hebrew tongue is pronounced Yod, He, Wow, and He. That is Y-H-W-H, which simply... Uh, forms what is called the tetragrammaton. It is called the tetragrammaton because it is four syllables or four letters that have no consonants, that they have no vowels in them. They are consonants without vowels. Consonants without vowels. So it remains the name that God was given in the original Hebrew. This is very important because it is so difficult to understand the translations of this name in the English language if we do not understand this root. So at times in the Bible, in the English Bible, you will see the word Lord with the capital L-O-R-D and at times you will see the word Lord with the initial L with an O-R-D. Every time you see the word Lord, that is the English closest attempt to interpret this four-letter word of Yod, He, Wow, and He or Y, H, W, and H. So when you are reading scripture, it helps you to understand. The Jewish priests found it difficult to mention this name anyhow, and so they had to come up about 200 AD. They came up with the name Adonai to just simply use as Lord. That is L, capital L, then O-R-D. Okay, O-R-D, small letters just to be able to make sure that they are not contravening the commandment that says they should not use the name of the Lord in vain. So when we read scripture, let us have this understanding because it allows us to know much more about this Jehovah in this way. 
Also, you will find the name Yahweh. That is why we sang about Yahweh this morning. And if you notice very well, our songs are usually selected to complement what the Lord will want to speak to us in terms of the message and in the topic of the day. So the word Yahweh is also an, another name for Jehovah. And this was the name specifically that God revealed when he met Moses in, uh, in uh, the burning bush as we had the experience. Now I'd like us to quickly read that again and read a few verses there. We read the whole chapter 3 of Exodus, but I'd like us to read verse 11 to verse 14 again. The Bible says, let's read together, But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So he said, I will certainly be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Verse 13. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And verse 14, let's read. And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus shall you say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. I am. Again, another challenge in English language definition and translation. I am. I am what? I am. <laughs> so not so that he doesn't get confused. He said, I am that I am. I am what I am. Yahweh. I am that I am. Jehovah, the Lord. Amen. And this puts God in a category all by himself. Every God on this earth, every prince on this earth, every principality has a root, has something that you can attribute them to. When we talk about our Her Majesty, the Queen, we say she is the Queen of England. She is the Queen of a place. We have the King and uh, the King of uh, Spain. We have a King in Spain, don't we? And we have all kinds of royalties and people who have authority, presidents of nations that are attributed to nations and to systems and to organizations. But this God has nothing that you can attribute him to than himself. And so that is why he said, my name is I am. Tell them that I am, that I am has sent me. And he, he emphasized, he said, you shall say to them, I am has sent me to you. Now, Moses was just trying to understand God then. He had an understanding, obviously, before his fugitive experience. You will remember 40 years before that time. He knew that he was a Hebrew. He knew that he was sent as to be some sort of a deliverer. And he started in his own way to try to orchestrate that deliverance 40 years before this encounter. And he was trying to, you know, get involved and making sure that his people were not unduly punished and so on. So much so that when he saw two of them fighting, he had to go there and say, don't you know you should not be fighting each other and so on. And we know that that got him into trouble because he, 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 the, the, one of them said, oh, do you want to kill us like you killed one of the uh, Egyptians the, the previously? And that is how Moses obviously fled. But when Moses met God at this point, the reality of the fact is that God was now revealing himself 
for the first time. Moses had a premonition, had an understanding, had the history from his mother and so on. But the reality is that this was the first time because Moses was asking, who is it? If Moses knew him at that time, he would not be asking these questions. Now, why is this very significant for us? Jesus came later on and he said to the disciples, he said, who do men say I am? And all the disciples began to say, some say you are Elijah, some say you are Moses, some say you are this and that. And he had to ask them one question. He said, but who do you say I am? Because the fundamental local standing of any Christian, what helps you to stand and what helps you to be in the place of stability in this race is your personal understanding of who Jehovah really is. Hallelujah. This is why a lot of people ask for prayer, ask for blessing, ask for things without this understanding. And so when even they have an encounter with God for a healing, for a deliverance, for a blessing, for something, they find it difficult to live the experience of it in a constant way. So life keeps going up and down and up and down because they are only like the children of Israel, knowing, seeing the acts of God rather than knowing his ways rather than knowing who he is. And so as Christians, we must be intentional about engaging with Jehovah, knowing him as I am who I am, and we know him personally for ourselves. Every time we have this understanding of Yahweh, we must know that he does three things for us. He is present, he is accessible, and as many that call upon him, he does these three things always in their lives. And these are things that would help us also in our work of holiness. The first thing is that Yahweh is always out to deliver us. So number one, Yahweh grants us deliverance. Psalm 107 verse 13. Yahweh always grants us deliverance. Psalm 107 verse 13, let's read that loud and clear. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. This is, again, very, very important. You see, what has happened at this time is that the children of Israel had been in captivity or uh, in bondage or slavery for 400 years. But the Bible says when God came to Moses, the first thing he said to Moses is, I have heard the cries of my children and I have seen their affliction. God always responds to the cry of his children. Every cry of every cry of mercy given unto God is always given attention. If you go through the entire Bible, you will find that every time people ask for mercy from God, they got it. So as a people, we must understand that one of the greatest manifestations of Jehovah or Yahweh is the fact that he is the God that delivers. He is the God that is always seeking to deliver. When we studied him as El Roy, the Bible says in 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9, that his eyes run to and fro the earth, that he might show himself strong on the behalf of them that diligently seek him. That means he's always seeking to deliver as many who are diligently seeking him, as many who are diligently crying out to God in their trouble. Many of us do not understand that the troubles of life take different forms. There are certain things that we are living with comfortably. We don't see them as trouble anymore. 
they have become familiar enemies. <laughs> but it is still God's intention that you be free of them. Many of us think that there are certain things that are, are just okay to keep having. But the truth is, as long as it is a trouble, as long as it is a discomfort, as long as it will bring a snare to your walk of holiness with God and enjoying the benefits of God in holiness, it is a trouble and you must keep crying out to God because Jehovah is said to save you out of every trouble. Hallelujah. It is a determination you must make. A man called blind Bartimaeus, we read his story a lot in Mark chapter 10. He was there blind and he knew that this situation was going to be a situation that was going to be a lot of his life. But one day he heard about Jesus Christ and he made up his mind. That no, I can't change my situation because I've heard about this man that he heals blindness. I've heard about this man that he delivers people. And so when he heard, he couldn't see, but when he heard that he was coming, the Bible says he got up. He said, I'm going to Jesus. They told him, sit down. He's not looking for people like you. The Bible says he cast off his garment and he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And for the, the, the first time when they heard him, they said he should keep quiet. The second time he cried out. When he cried out, the Bible says he went right up to where Jesus was. And he said, and Jesus asked him what he can do for him. It is important that we understand that Jehovah, Yahweh, is out that we continue to enjoy deliverance. Whatever that deliverance is per time. We are living in perilous times. Every time you read the Bible, it tells you about what is going to happen in this end time. There will be a lot of wickedness. The place you walk, there are evil forces that are there, always out to torment, to make life difficult, to make life challenging. You have to continue to go out to God and cry and say, Lord, deliver me from every trouble. Our schools today, we were talking yesterday in the workers' training about the insurgents and the, the, the rise of knife crimes. Uh, gun crimes in America, knife crimes in this country. And how many of those things are becoming the norm. In my home country, Nigeria, people called, nameless people called uh, Fulani herdsmen are just killing people across the country for no reason. These are people who have been nomads supposedly for years, centuries in that nation, in that part of the world. But suddenly the devil has taken hold of that opportunity and they just go into communities across the country and just kill people on a weekly basis. There is evil in this present time. And the believer generation that we have must not fold our arms and just let the troubles continue to persist. We must cry out to Jehovah individually. We must cry out to Jehovah on our, in our families. We must cry out to Jehovah in our churches. We must cry out to Jehovah in our nations. We must keep crying out to Jehovah because he is set to deliver. The Bible says, then they cried out to the, the, to the Lord in their trouble. And he saved them. May the Lord bring deliverance your way today. In the name of Jesus. Everything called a distress simply means it's something sent by the enemy to give you stress. Everything that gives you stress is a distress. Everything that gives you displeasure or discomfort is something that is stealing your pleasure or stealing your comfort. Don't sit with it. Don't joke with it. Rise up. We pray every morning 5 a.m. to 6 a.m. We pray by web conferencing. Wake up yourself. Join the prayer. Intercede. Don't sleep on top of trouble. There is a God who saves from distress. We must cry out to him constantly. Hallelujah. 
This is why he came. He said, I heard the cries of my children. I heard. I heard and I saw their affliction. They made it difficult for them. They were building with, with very, very base materials. And even when they were doing that out of the hardship, they made it harder by removing the materials that made it difficult to build. They took away the straw. And if you know anything about building and about materials, the straw helps to reinforce the clay to make it harder and easier to set. So when you remove it, it's difficult to form the structure more. But you know, God was working all those things together for the good of God's people. I sat down last week and I was researching all the nations of this earth that had held the children of Israel in captivity, used them to build. Be it Egypt, be it Babylon, everywhere they were held in captivity, they were used to build. And today, Israelis are one of the best builders. They are one of the most innovative builders that we have on earth till today. If you want to build something and be innovative and creative and try out something that has never been done before, call the Israelis. You will be shocked that in under six months, you will, be, you will have a research finding that will allow you to do something. Go and check it. There is nothing creative and innovative in this world that is, that is of noteworthiness that is not traceable back to the Israeli blood today. But you see, that time, the devil thought that he was just using them for experiment. He didn't know that he was putting in their blood and in their DNA the ability to be creative. Hallelujah. That is by the side. But we must understand that everything that we go through in life, we must continue to cry out to God. It is pride that makes us not cry out to God. People think it's only ignorance. At times it is pride. It is pride that makes us not to say, Lord, I am in trouble here. Because you have a title? <laughs> Don't let titles deceive you. When you need to cry out, you need to cry out. If you have teenage children that are not doing well, you need to cry out to God. You have a spouse that is suddenly not loving the things of God anymore. Don't say, what am I going to, how, how are people going to hear that my wife no longer likes to pray? You cry out to God. The devil does not joke with anybody. Oh, my husband is, 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 is lacking back behind in the things of God. And you say, well, I don't want to say this because I'll be embarrassed. No, you cry out to God. You cry out to God. If you need somebody's faith to join your own, you cry out to God so that he delivers you from your distress. This is why he's called Yahweh or Jehovah. He is also the God that forgives. Number one, he's the God who does what? He delivers. He delivers from oppression. And secondly, he's the God who forgives. We must cry out to God for forgiveness. Psalm 25, verse 11. Psalms 25, verse 11. Let's go. The Bible says, For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my iniquity, for it is what? It is great. My iniquity is great. Your iniquity is great. I know that the grace of God for salvation has delivered us from every sin. But we must understand that every time God delivers and God forgives us, it is for his name's sake. The Bible says, for your name's sake, O Lord. You see the word Lord there in capital L-O-R-D, talking about Jehovah. Say, pardon my iniquity, for it is great. The psalmist said, if God would mark iniquity, Psalm 66, he said, who can stand? First John chapter 1, verse 8, the Bible says, if we say we have no sins, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Verse 9 says, for he is faithful, and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You can write that down, First John 1, 8 and 9. So we must know how to cry out to God. Are we saying that we should be living in the consciousness of sin every time? No. Jesus said we should pray. Jesus himself taught the disciples, 
the people he spoke to face to face, mouth to mouth, he said to them, when they pray, he said they should pray to God, forgive us our debts as we forgive those who trespass against us. It is pride and arrogance again to, to say that we have no sin or we don't need to be asking for forgiveness. We must always ask for forgiveness. It is not a license to live anyhow because we can always ask for forgiveness. But whatever we do, we must know that for his name's sake, for Jehovah's name's sake, he forgives. And we must continue to ask him to pardon our iniquity because they are great. The third thing God does for us as Jehovah is that he guides us. So number one, deliverance. Number two, forgiveness. Number three, guidance. Psalms 31 verse 3. Let's read that together. Psalms 31 verse 3. The Bible says, For you are my rock and my fortress. Therefore, for your name's sake, lead me and guide me. Again, you see, for his name's sake. For his name's sake, lead me and guide me. You see, the name of a person is so important. The name of a person you are affiliated to is so important. It's so significant. Many times we are very, uh, 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 how do I put it? We're, we're always very confident if we're holding the complimentary card of a person who is an important figure. And uh, we, he, he asks us to go to a place to present that card. Many of us will go with all confidence and, 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 and display the card because we know that that name is revered in that setting or in that organization. Now what we need to understand that is that we have a God whose name is our rock and our fortress. If only we have the same confidence that we have in fellow human beings, who today is and tomorrow might not be, we, if we have the same level of confidence in the same way with this God, we will be led and guided in ways beyond our comprehension. This is why the Bible says in Psalm 91, he said that he that dwells in the secret place, he that dwells in the place of this kind of understanding of the name of the Lord, he shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Psalm 91 verse 2 say, For I will say of the Lord, I will declare of the Lord, he is my own refuge, he is my rock, he is my fortress, he is my God in whom I will trust. Let your trust be in God. Every time, let your trust be in Jehovah. Whatever you are facing in life, whatever the situation, wherever things are taking you, the Lord who leads and guides will always make sure that you are not led into trouble. Part of that prayer in Matthew 6 that Jesus asked the disciples to, is to pray is that we should pray that he should not lead them into temptation because he's the only one that can make sure that you are not led into trouble but you are led out of trouble. Hallelujah. We have confidence in the things of this world more than we have confidence in God. But we must say, like the psalmist, for you are my rock and my fortress. You are my God in whom I will trust. The Bible says in Psalm 20 verse 5, it says some may trust in horses, some may trust in chariots, but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. You may not be able to play the politics of the workplace. You may not be able to do the tricks and the trickeries of business. You may not be able to do the things the way the world does it, but if you put your trust in God, my God will open doors for you that only God himself could have opened. My God will promote you in certain ways that only God himself would have promoted you. In the name of Jesus... There are people who will write promotion letters for you that they did not plan to write originally. But something will compel them to write it. 
because your trust is in the God who has the heart of every king in his, in his hand. You have no access to that king, not to talk of his heart. You can't even reach his secretary. But God knows that he must write that letter for you. God will torment him at night. He will say, when you get to the office tomorrow, this is what you must do. You must write this letter. It has been on your desk for too long. I say, my God will act on your behalf. That was what happened in the days of Mordecai. Have you forgotten? The Bible says the king could not sleep at night. Mordecai, or Esther's uncle, the king could not sleep at night. And God woke him up. And suddenly he said, give me the books. In the middle of the night. He said, give me the books. I want to see the memorial of what people have done. And there he's found that there was a time a man called Mordecai was the one that saved the king. He said, I want to honor that person. He was not planning it. When he was having dinner and drinking the previous night, because they used to drink a lot in Babylon. He was drinking and drinking, and he went to sleep. Suddenly, God woke him up. From nowhere, the thought came to him, go and bring the memorial books. This is how God will send your memorial to the heart of every king that matters. In the name of Jesus. His name is Jehovah. You just need to trust him. It is a lack of understanding of who this Jehovah is that make us waver and doubt him. When you know him, that he is truly the God who for his name's sake will lead you and guide you, you will continue to have confidence in him. I say you will have confidence in him. In the name of Jesus. And so he manifests to us as Jehovah. Like I said to you, there are about 50 names of Jehovah. Jehovah, Rapha, Jehovah, Shama, Jehovah, Shalom, and so on and so forth. But I want us to look at two as it has to do with our sanctification and our holiness. He manifests to us first, in, as Jehovah, the Jehovah expressions, he manifests to us as Jehovah Mikedesh, the Lord. Write it down, Jehovah Mikedesh. It's spelled in many ways, M-E-K-E-D-E-S-H, Mikedesh. Jehovah Mikedesh is the God who makes us holy, or the God we simply call our sanctifier. His name is Jehovah who sanctifies. Let's look at what the Bible says concerning him in Ezekiel 37, verse 27. Ezekiel 37, verse 27. Let's read it together. We're reading two verses. My tabernacle also shall be with them. Indeed, I will be their God, and they shall be my people. This is his promise. If you remember, Ezekiel 37 is when God talked about, when God met Ezekiel and he asked him to prophesy to the dry bones of Israel and that there was going to be a revival, and they became living beings again. And he began to say what he was going to do with them. It is a type of our salvation. The Bible says we were dead in trespasses. We were a people who were dead in sins, and we had no hope. But when Jesus came, we had life. He gave us life and gave us more abundantly. What, what God was saying to Ezekiel here was a type of what he is now doing to us. He said he will dwell with them, and then he will be their God. Verse 28. Let's read verse 28 together loud and clear. It said, The nations also will know that I, the Lord, sanctify Israel when my sanctuary is in their midst forevermore. Everyone who sees them will know that I am in their midst. The Bible says the Lord our God in the midst of us is mighty. He's mighty. Everyone will know when you are sanctified. Sanctification does not just mean that you are called out to look somehow. 
It means that you are called out to be separate. That is why he kept on saying, Paul kept on saying, you must come out and be separate because you are no longer, Jesus first said, you are in this world, but you are no longer of this world. You are in this world, but you are no longer of this world. Let your mind be renewed to understand your sanctification. Jehovah Mikedesh sanctifies you, separates you unto himself. His sanctuary, his presence is seen all around you. The glory of God seen upon a man is always the transforming power that everybody sees and sees the God that is acting in the life of that man. When God puts his glory on you, it will be undeniable. I say it will be undeniable. Many people will see you and say of a truth, God is with you. This is what Nicodemus said to Jesus. He said to him, he said, nobody can do these things that you do except God be with him. Except God be with him. And this is the life of a believer. This should be our natural domain. Where everyone, everywhere we go, everyone is always saying, there are certain things about you. There is a way that you conduct yourself. There is a way that you present that nobody can do except something is about them. Except God be with them. And I pray that that will be your story. I say that will be your story in the name of Jesus. The Bible says the nations also will know. The nations also will know that I, the Lord, sanctify Israel. You are sanctified. I say you are sanctified. And the nations around you will know that you are sanctified. In the name of Jesus. They will not just know that you are sanctified because you open the Bible and you say to them, you see, I want you to know Jesus Christ died for you. That is a good thing. But that is not the only reason that will make them know. They will see things about you that will make it clear and evident that your sanctification has truly put you higher has truly put you in a place whereby the glory of god is showing that the sanctuary sanctuary of god is truly in your midst i said it shall be your portion in the mighty name of jesus the second way is that he manifests to us as jehovah sidkenu the first one is jehovah mikedesh the second one is jehovah sidkenu sidkenu starts with a t then an s then an i then a d then a K E N U, Sid Kenu, Sid Kenu, Jehovah Sid Kenu. This is the Lord our righteousness. He sanctifies us, separates us unto Himself, and then He puts on us the cloak of His righteousness. Jeremiah chapter 33 from verse 14. Jeremiah chapter 33 from verse 14. The Bible says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will perform that good thing which I have promised to the house of Israel and to the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause to grow up to David a branch of righteousness. He shall execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. Verse 15. Let's read verse um, 16, sorry. Go to verse 16 now. He said, in those days, Judah will be what? Saved. And Jerusalem will dwell safely. And this is the name by which she will be called. What? The Lord our righteousness. So this is God's intention. When we read the New Testament, the Bible says he has, we have now been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It is a divine intention of God that Jehovah Sidkenu becomes our expression. 
Jehovah Mikedesh, Jehovah Sidkenu. Jehovah Mikedesh is the God who sanctifies us, separates us unto himself. Jehovah Sidkenu is the God or Jehovah, the Lord, the self-existent one who needs nobody else to help him to do this. God gives us his own garment of righteousness. Hallelujah. So we manifest, we enjoy both manifestations of sanctification and righteousness through our faith. In the New Testament expression of Jehovah, his name is Yeshua. Yeshua. Y-E-S-H-U-A. Yeshua. I hope I've spelled it right. Because at times when you write down what you said, then you find that you have just not. <laughs> so make sure I've spelled it right. Yeshua. And of course, you know I'm talking about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In the New Testament, he came as promised and prophesied. The Bible says when he came, he described himself the same way that I am. John chapter 8, verse 56. This was a very controversial moment when he declared that this is who he was. Remember the, the story of the woman that was to be stoned? And when everybody left, the Bible says in verse 56, John chapter 8, verse 56, The father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. He said, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. <laughs> verse 57, look at verse 57. Let's read together. Then the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? And look at what he said in verse 58. Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, Before Abraham was, I am. And you can see the capital emphasis there. That is to say, I have been and am and will continue to be Jehovah. My own name is Yeshua, but before Abraham was, This Abraham, you said, I am not 50 years old. He said, before he was, I am. Hallelujah. So the expression of Jehovah Mikedesh, Jehovah Sidkenu, and every other manifestation of the I am that I am, that Jehovah is, is packaged. As we have said over and over, according to Colossians chapter 2, verse 9, is packaged in Christ bodily. It pleased him that the fullness of the Godhead would dwell in him bodily. So Jesus was speaking to them as Jehovah. Jehovah, I am that I am. The same I am that appeared to Moses and said, go back to Egypt and deliver my people is the same one that was there that was forgiving that sin. Many times he would say to them, go, your sins are forgiven. And they look at him and say, who, who do you think you are? To say sins are forgiven. Even the priests in our temples don't just look at people and say their sins are forgiven. Who do you think you are? But they never knew that they were dealing with the I am that I am that came and dwelt amongst them in the flesh. Hallelujah. So you and I must understand that our faith in Jesus Christ helps us to enjoy both manifestations of sanctification and righteousness and every other expression of Jehovah even in our Lord Jesus Christ, who is our own Yeshua. We can read some scriptures that can help us to establish that as, as I start to bring this to a close. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. 
The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Tell your neighbor for me, you will be saved. It is non-negotiable. Every time you confess him and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Your salvation will be total at all times. It is so important to understand this. Go to verse 13. The Bible says, For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It didn't say might be saved. Shall be saved. Call upon him in faith. Call upon him with confidence. He shall come through for you in the name of Jesus. Friends, you need to know these things because as believers, we will find ourselves at times in situations where life will be very, very challenging. I wish I can always tell believers, for years I've said this, I wish I can always tell believers that Christianity is all about you not having any challenge whatsoever. But if there is anything to say, it is actually you having loads of challenges every time. It was John Piper that said that very interesting thing. He said the life of a believer is very interesting. You are either in a tribulation now, or you are coming out of one, or you are going into another one. <laughs> there is no escaping. Because Jesus said, it's very scriptural, John 16, 33. Jesus said, in this world, you shall have tribulation. So it is not that, you know, you may have it or not. So when believers are going through it and they're like, oh Lord, why, why? They are asking a religious question. He told you you will have it, but he said, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whatever the trial, whatever the temptation, whatever the tribulation, you have to keep calling on the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. I say you shall be saved in the name of Jesus. Joel was a man, a prophet who prophesied about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and about the end time church. When he said this in Joel chapter 2, verse 32, he was actually talking about Jesus Christ. Let's read it together. He said, and it shall come to pass, Joel 2, 32, write that down, but let's read. Joel 2, 32, let's read together now. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord, you see the capital L-O-R-D, shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there shall be what? Deliverance. As the Lord has said, among the remnants whom the Lord calls. The word Lord calls there is the, the remnant whom the Lord sanctifies. Whom the Lord separates unto himself. He separates them to justify them. But the Bible says, whoever among them shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Many of us call upon the name of the Lord to receive new birth. But we don't call upon the name of the Lord to help us to be established in our new birth. We don't call upon the name of the Lord to help us to be delivered from illnesses and sicknesses like I've said before. Or situations of life that may be challenging. There is a God. When you call in the name of Jesus, you evoke his presence. You challenge him to action. You call him to be who he says he will be. He is I am that I am. The great deliverer. He is the one who has come to save you. He is the one who has come to deliver you. He is the one who has come to forgive you. He is coming as you call him. I say he will come for you. In the name of Jesus. We must keep focusing on the person of Jesus. And keep focusing on his principles. This is all we need. Every time we call upon him, we remind ourselves of his person, of the day we will see him in glory. It fires up our faith. Every time we call upon his name, we remind him of his principles, the things he has already said concerning us. 
They nailed a thief to the cross on the day he was crucified. Two thieves. One mocked him. One called for salvation. And the Bible says he said to the one on his right hand who called for salvation. He said today you will be with me in paradise. A man receives a last minute transformation because he called on Yeshua. The one who saves. God has given you, every, given you and I every opportunity. When they brought that woman that was caught in adultery to him. Their intention was to stone that woman because it was going to be difficult to wriggle out of it. The law says stone the woman. And Jesus could not be seen as acting against the law. But with the wisdom of God. Let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 13 together. Verse 30 together is the last scripture we'll read. But with the wisdom of God. Let's read together. He said, but of him you are in Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. He confers to you the redemptive rights, the rights of being bought completely from the dominion of darkness. He confers it on you because you are in Christ Jesus. When that woman ran to Christ, what she did was she said, I need the salvation. And as she stood before him, the Bible says Jesus asked them, he said, has no one condemned you? Because he asked them, whoever is without sin, let him be the first to cast the stone. He said, has no one condemned you? And the woman said, no one, Lord. And he said, neither do I. But you make sure you go and sin no more. Every time you sin, you give opportunity for people to throw stones at you. You give opportunity for the devil to want to accuse you. But the Bible says the prince of this world comes and he found nothing in me. This is what he desires from you and I. But every one of us today must go before him to cry out for deliverance. His name is Jehovah. His plan is to deliver. His name is Jehovah. His plan is to save. I don't know what your situation may be. But like that robber, like I said, at the right hand of God the Father, at the right hand of Jesus Christ, said to Jesus, If it be possible, I would like to be with you today in paradise. If it be possible, let me be saved. And Jesus said, Today you will be with me in paradise. What Jesus is saying is that you and I can call upon him from whatever situation that we need a paradise. Whatever situation that you need a paradise in your life, you can call upon him right now. You can call upon him today. And his desire is that you enjoy paradise with him. Every affliction shall die today. Every affliction shall die today. Every tormentor shall flee today. Every accuser shall be nailed to his cross today. His name is Yeshua. And your deliverance is guaranteed today. In the name of Jesus. Rise to your feet and begin to pray.